Numbers 14, and we'll begin just by reading uh, verses 1 through 3. Numbers 14, verses 1 through 3, say this. And all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron. And the whole congregation said unto them, Would God that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would God we had died in this wilderness? Wow. And wherefore hath the Lord brought us unto this land to fall by the sword that our wives and our children should be a prey? Were it not better for us to return into Egypt? Let's pray again. <laughs> Heavenly Father, again, we thank you for your goodness and grace. And Lord, we do praise you and worship you and <laughs> glory in you. And Lord, we're glad, Lord, that we can live in your presence, abide in your presence. Lord, just help us just to have that conscious awareness that right now, we abide in Jesus right now. Jesus abides in us, and Lord, everything's all right. Lord, we just cast it all upon you. Lord, help each one tonight. Thank you for their faithfulness to be here, faithfulness to listen in. Lord, I pray you'd bless each one. Lord, you know what's going on in every heart and home. Lord, I pray you'd strengthen and encourage. And Lord, just turn our eyes upon Jesus, Lord, that we might look full in his wonderful face and let the things of earth, Lord, grow strangely dim. Lord, I pray... Uh, you just uh, meet the needs and, uh, Lord, give guidance and direction, Lord, where it's needed. We think about these that uh, are uh, uh, going to the doctor, Lord. We think of uh, Sister Lydia's daughter, Lord. We think of uh, Sister Judy and Sister Mark and others, uh, Lord Mike and, uh, Lord, uh, Sister Sarah. Just so many needs physically. And, Lord God, we commit those things to you. And, dear Lord, uh, rest in your faithfulness and your ability to do and uh, to guide and to give wisdom. So, Lord, please help these. Lord, we pray for spiritual needs. Lord, I uh, think about uh, loved ones that need to be saved that we all have and people we've witnessed to. Lord, I pray for that unspoken <laughs> that Sister uh, Sherry has. And, uh, Lord, I just uh, pray, Lord God, uh, you'd help us, Lord, just to uh, lean on you and lean on the truths of your word. Now, Lord, help us as we look at this thought tonight and our desires that Jesus Christ would be glorified, for it's in his name we pray. Amen. Uh, so uh, the other night we started looking about this thought, talking about uh, qualities of a leader and qualities that believers should have. And we looked at uh, uh, looking at this one about commitment, commitment. And uh, if you remember, we mentioned uh, uh, some thoughts on commitment and different types of people. We mentioned the cop outs, the holdouts, the dropouts and the all outs. Right. We want to be among the all outs or the all ins as they as they say. And, of course, uh, we looked at Ruth, and we started off looking at her. And, of course, uh, the, the commitment that she, that she made uh, to go uh, with uh, her mother-in-law, Naomi, and how interesting uh, that was. Anybody remember what uh, Ruth said? What is something that Ruth said when, you know, she, Naomi looked at her daughters-in-law, and right, it says, Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth what? Clave. And then what did she, you may, you may not get it right, but just give us an idea of what did Ruth say to her that showed that she was fully committed? What's some of the terminology she used there, right? Pardon me? Entreat me? All right. Without ghosts, I will go. All right. Canadian. Right. Right. Where you die. Right. Right. So you can saw that full uh, commitment there. 
again. Now, uh, just a reminder, they had, uh, Naomi and her family had dwelt there at least, you know, 10 years. So no doubt, uh, Naomi, uh, even though uh, maybe they, they weren't the best family they should have been. I mean, if they left, that showed a lack of faith, right? Because they weren't supposed to go among the Moabites. But, you know, no doubt they talked about the Lord, probably, you know, kept their Sabbath. But of course, the Moabites, you know, had, had a lot of dealing sort of with the Jews in a negative way over the years. And they, so they knew uh, the power of uh, uh, the God of Israel. And then, of course, when Naomi heard about how God had visited their people because there had been a famine and had brought bread back to the people, no doubt Ruth heard that. And it uses that statement, how God had visited, the Lord had visited his people. It said in verse 6 of Ruth 1. And so, uh, no doubt, uh, somewhere along, I think Ruth got some faith, faith there. And then again, it says, use that word clave, which means to cling, to join, to stay with. And it's the thought of, right, literally just being glued together. That same word is used in Psalm 119, verse 31, where it says this, the psalm said, I have stuck unto thy testimonies. Well, that's how we need to be to the Word of God, right? We need to be committed to it, stuck to it, glued to uh, the Word of God. And of course, uh, Naomi tried to persuade them to go back. And then it made this statement uh, about Ruth. It says, when Naomi what, saw that she was what steadfastly minded, that's commitment right there. That is a good definition, again, of commitment. To be steadfastly minded means to be determined, to be courageous, to be persistent, ready to conquer. That's how we need to be as believers, right? Uh, committed to the cause of Christ, the things of Christ, and we're ready to go out there and conquer, amen, and gain territory uh, for uh, the Lord. And uh, just as a little review, I might have, uh, I, I think I asked this the other night, Did do you think Naomi showed good leadership in uh, what she was doing there, what she said to her daughters? Anybody? <laughs> no, she didn't, right? I mean, tell, again, telling them to go back, as I've said before, it was like her telling them to go back uh, to, uh, uh, to the, uh, the world. But uh, thank God that Ruth's commitment was very high. And, of course, God honored that. And uh, we mentioned the other night, what are some of the ways that her commitment and faithfulness there, that got, how did God honor that when uh, they got back there? What ended up happening with Ruth? We all know, well, one, we all know about her today. There's a, there's a book with her name in it. What else? Right. That Boaz noticed something else. Right, right, because, well, she married Boaz, and then she became uh, David's uh, great-grandmother, and then, you know, she's in the lineage there of uh, Christ, so very interesting. So now we looked at these verses in uh, Numbers. We looked at 1 through 3. Let's look at these other verses in Numbers. Look at verses 6 through 10, and, of course, we see you know the story here about the spies that went out, but let's just, uh, for sake of time, look, again, look at verses 6 through 10, and see what it says here about Joshua and Caleb. It says, And Joshua, Numbers 14, 6, And Joshua, the son of Nun, right? And Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, which were of them that searched the land, rent their clothes, right? Because the other people didn't want to go up. And they spake unto all the company of the children of Israel, saying, The land which we pass through to search it is an exceeding good land. 
If the Lord delight in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it us, a land which floweth with milk and honey. Only rebel not ye against the Lord, neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are bred for us. Their defense is departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Fear them not. But all the congregation bade stone them with stones, and the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of the congregation before all the children of Israel. Now drop down to verses 23 and 24, which say this. As soon as I can turn the page on this new Bible. Verses 23 and 24 say, Surely they will not see the land. Of course, the Lord's talking here. Surely they will not see the land which I swear to their fathers. Neither shall any of them that provoke me see it. But verse 24 says this, But my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him and hath followed me fully, him will I bring into the land whereunto he went, and his seed shall possess it. So notice uh, what it said there about Caleb, and of course also referring to, uh, referring to Joshua. Now, so what do we see here? You know, even though we might be part of a team, part of a church, and, and God wants to bless the team, God wants to bless the church, right? God wants to bless his people, but you got to realize sometimes when we come uh, to a big decision, right, an important decision, and God wants to move the church forward or God wants to move his people forward, here's the reality. Unfortunately, the reality is that not everyone on the team, I like using that word, that not everyone on the team is going to have the same level of commitment. That's just the reality. That's why you see different crowds Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, right? They say, hey, you know, you, I'm sure you've heard this before. I'm sure I've said it before. If you want to know how popular uh, uh, the, the church is, right, uh, come Sunday morning. Want to know how popular the preacher is? Come Sunday night. Want to know how popular God is? Come Wednesday night, right? And then, then, then you'll know. And so not everyone's going to have the same level of commitment. In fact, uh, I've seen this uh, as I've served the Lord. The higher the level of commitment, the smaller the group gets, right? The, the farther you got to push for serious uh, a commitment. Uh, and I've certainly uh, seen that in churches. I've seen that in ministries. The, the, the more serious uh, of a commitment needs to be made in a situation, usually the smaller the group gets that's willing to commit to that degree. And you see that here, right? Uh, out of these 12 that went, only two. Now, there might have been a few more within the congregation. I'm sure Moses, well, you know, uh, he, 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 he was uh, encouraging them to go. Of course, we know the Lord was going to allow him, but we know that, hey, he would have uh, gladly went. And I'm sure there might have been a few others. But as far as these 12, there were only uh, two. And again, uh, in verse 8, uh, Caleb said this, if the Lord delighted in us, look at this. He said this, then he will bring us to the land. Showing Caleb's commitment, right? He will bring us to the land. And then he said this in verse 9, right? Their defense is departed from them, and the Lord is with us. So we see that their commitment wasn't just on the fact that, you know, they were some bold leaders or some brave leaders, 
right? But their commitment was based on the will and faithfulness of God. That's what they were trusting in. They weren't trusting in themselves. And whenever uh, uh, we go to move forward, whenever God uh, gives us an opportunity or calls us to go somewhere, we better know that we're not doing it for self. We better know that we're doing it uh, with our, based on the will and faithfulness of God. You know, I look at some of the places I've gone in, in my life. And people say, oh, wow, uh, you went there? Believe me, I wasn't uh, hopefully going there uh, just to have something nice to put in a, in, a, in a prayer letter. If that's the reason you do things, go home missionary. That's all right. Like we said, it's not about glamour. But if you know it's the will of God and that he's put it on your heart to go somewhere, you shouldn't be afraid to go anywhere wherever God would call you in this big world. But you better go knowing it's in the, you're, you're trusting in the will and faithfulness of God, and they were. And you can see that by their words, right? He will bring us into the land. The Lord is with us. So that's where their, uh, their level of commitment flowed from. In verse 24, when the Lord came down and he talked about that, what a, what a wonderful thing. It's one thing if a man says this about you, but God said this about them. Notice what God said about them in verse 24, about their commitment. But my servant Caleb, notice statement, because he had another spirit with him. Notice that statement. And hath followed me fully. Listen, uh, not only did, did Caleb give a testimony that he was fully committed, right? But God even came down and gave a testimony that he was fully committed. What a wonderful thing that is. And you'll notice that people that are fully committed, people that are willing to go all the way for God, you'll, you'll notice that they usually have another spirit, another spirit. Or could we say for believers, a more surrendered spirit? So how do you get another spirit? Really, it comes by having a more surrendered spirit to the Holy Spirit, right? A more surrendered spirit to the Lord Jesus Christ. He must increase, I must decrease. Like we've said, how does he increase? Well, he can't get no bigger, right? So how does he increase if he can't get no bigger? It's by us getting smaller, <laughs> right? As we get smaller in self, we make more room for him to be bigger within us, right? And have more control of our life. And so he says, he followed me fully. You know what that means? Caleb was committed to take God's will to the finish line. <laughs> whatever that was. And that's how we want to be. We want to be committed to take God's will, whatever that means for our individual life, whatever that means uh, for the church or whatever uh, God has made us a part of, right? That we're committed to getting it to the finish line. And we see that, we see that happen. Go over to Joshua 14. Now go from Numbers 14 to Joshua 14. Joshua 14, and we'll look at some verses there. Joshua 14, verses 6 through 8. Say this. Joshua 14, verses 6 through 8. It says this. Then, then the children of Judah came unto Joshua and Gilgal, and Caleb, there he is, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizanite, said unto him, Thou knowest the thing that the Lord said unto Moses, the man of God, concerning me and thee, those two, in Kadesh Barnea. 
Forty years old was I when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought him word again as, I love that, as it was in mine heart. Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt. But I wholly, here it is again, I wholly followed the Lord my God. Drop down to verse 11. I as, as yet I am as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me. And he was 85, and he said, man, I still feel 40. That's what I said yesterday. Yesterday was my birthday, and I sent out a text to my friend. I said, I'm 58, but I feel 20, and I act five. And uh, Sister Judy moved that down to three, and I said, stop it, right? But listen, uh, listen, that was good. She still felt young. And so is my strength now for war, both to go out and to come in. Verse 13 says this, And Joshua blessed him. Notice this, right? Here he is being blessed for his faithfulness. And blessed him and gave unto Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, what? Hebron for an inheritance. So did you notice what happened in these verses? Caleb still had that testimony 40 years later, but I wholly followed the Lord. That statement, wholly followed, means this, to keep a vow or a promise. He made his commitment to God years earlier. And here we say, right, at this time in his life, he is still just as committed. He is still holding to that promise he made to God, that vow he made to God so many years ago. It means to be, means to be it says, to be full to capacity. I like this. It means to be full to capacity so that nothing else can get in. <laughs> That's how our life needs to be, right? Full of the capacity of the things of God so that nothing else can get in. No fear can get in. No doubt can get in. No unbelief can get in. Nothing but full commitment. That was Caleb and Joshua's testimony. Just like the song says, I have decided. I made that decision to follow Jesus. No turning back. Not going to happen. Not going to It's just, I, I, I've purposed that in my heart. It's not going to happen. I've already fully committed to take this thing called the Christian life to the finish line. And notice he gave him Hebron, which, which is a special piece of land in the Bible. You read a lot about Hebron in the Bible. Hebron is where Abraham built his altar when he came back up, right? It's where Abraham built his altar. A, a lot of the patriarchs were buried around Hebron. So it was a very special piece of land. And somebody else know something about Hebron? What, what else happened there? What else happened there? Well, that is where when David was first made king right after Saul died, he was anointed king at Hebron. And the first, I think it was seven and a half years that he reigned as king were from there. So that was a special piece of land, and all that can be traced back, right? That, that when God blessed Caleb for his faithfulness, he gave him even that piece of land, and that piece of land that he blessed his faithful servant with became a, a special piece of uh, real estate, if you will, in the history of Israel. What a, what a wonderful thought that is. And uh, let me ask a couple uh, questions about this. What do you think separated Joshua and Caleb from the rest of the Israelite. Did those two men lack fear? Did the others lack faith? Again, I've sort of mentioned it, but what do you think made them stand out? Right. Yes. 
right? Right. So they, uh, they had great conviction, great conviction about the things of God. And so uh, here's, and we saw Caleb's reward, right? He got, uh, he got Hebron there. And of course, Joshua was blessed too because he became the successor to Moses. So he became the next uh, 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 leader. It's funny, it's, it's uh, interesting to study Joshua's life, right? When, when uh, uh, Moses was up in the mountain, how he was there. And then when Moses went out, how he stayed by the tabernacle and all those things, you see. And so you see a good example in Joshua's life about uh, being trained to be a successor as uh, Moses was like a mentor to him. And so he got to be the next uh, uh, leader of Israel. And then Caleb continued in health and strength and then got that special, that special piece of land. Well, let's uh, uh, finish up with a, with a special, uh, uh, an example in the New Testament. In the New Testament, turn over to Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 6. And we see an amazing example of commitment here in Acts chapter 6. All right, of course, a long story here about uh, 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 Stephen, Stephen, right? And so uh, we see, but we see here that another reality concerning commitment, especially to Christ, right? <laughs> sometimes there's a high blessing, but sometimes there's a high price to pay as well. But in Acts chapter 6, uh, verses 8 through 15, uh, concerning uh, 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 Stephen here. It says this, Then there arose a certain of the synagogue, which is called the synagogue of the Libertines, and the Cyrenians, and the Alexandrians, and of them of Cilicia and of Asia, disputing with Stephen. And they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spake. Then they uh, suburban men, which said, We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes and came upon him and caught him and brought him to the council and set up false witnesses, which said, This man ceases not to speak blasphemous words against this holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth shall destroy this place and shall change the customs which Moses delivered us. And all that sat in the council, notice this, looking steadfastly on him, saw his face as it had been the face of an angel. No doubt it was probably glowing like Moses' face did when, uh, after uh, he had spent that time with God. And then, of course, at the beginning of chapter 7, he preaches all the way through uh, there and he gives, uh, he gives the uh, history uh, he gives the history of, uh, of uh, Israel there. So we'll, go, we'll drop down to verse 54, right? He gives all that history there. And then in verse 54, we pick up there of Acts 7. And then when they'd heard these things, they were cut to the heart and they gnashed on him with their teeth. But he being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God and said, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon him with one accord and cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet, notice this, whose name was Saul. Very important to notice that. And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, 
he fell asleep. Some special things in these verses. In verse 8, right, in Acts 6, it said he was full of faith and power. You see, uh, and in another place it said he was full of the Holy Ghost. See, God will commit things to the committed man. Amen. That committed man, he'll, he, those that have an extra commitment will have an extra power, will have an extra wisdom uh, uh, from God. Again, in verses 1 through 53, he preached a message on the history of Israel. And then again, notice in Acts 78, it says, again, it cast him out of the city, and it said, they laid down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. Why? Because the person whose clothes, when they threw down their garments, whose ever feet was what considered the leader or, or the one sort of over the situation going on there. And so notice what happened here. We see, of course, Stephen was a martyr. He lost his life. But notice what happens here. At the end of his life, you see where Stephen and Saul made a connection. But what do you see here? The end of Stephen's life, the end of Stephen's committed life, he was committed to the finish line, and for, and for him, amen, that was the finish line that God had chosen for him. Hey, God's will be done. You know, hey, you know, oh, will you die for Christ? Well, hey, listen, believe me, God's not really looking for people to die for him. He's looking more for people to live for him, right? It's amazing. Everybody wants to die for him, but not people who want to live for him. But listen, but if, if, we, if, if, if we were called upon that, but so the end of Stephen's life, committed life was actually, this is what's interesting, the end of Stephen's committed life was actually the beginning or the spark, if you will, of spark of in the life of the one who became known as the most committed believer. If I said to you, who was the most committed believer in the New Testament? Everybody's going to say who? Paul. Well, who's Paul? Well, the guy they just threw uh, the, 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 their garments down at his feet. And uh, so, uh, and of course, God used that committed life. And even in his commitment in death, right, God sparked something in Saul's life. And, that, and then he ended up becoming the most committed believer preacher, servant, apostle, or whatever you want to call him in the New Testament. And it's evident that Paul, Saul slash Paul, never got over what he saw in Stephen's life, in Stephen's committed life that day. He never got over. Matter of fact, he mentions it when in giving his testimony in Acts 22, Paul says this, and when the blood of thy martyr, this is the one that was over it. This is what he said. When the blood of thy martyr Stephen was shed, I also was standing by and consenting unto his death. He admitted his guilt there and kept the raiment of them that slew him. What an amazing thing. And so, hey, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, one of you uh, uh, young ladies might be committed to God and God will uh, bless you, amen, by just bringing that uh, right man into your life and blessing your descendants like with Ruth. Or men, you might be uh, committed and, and God will bless you with strength and maybe health and, and give you some a great piece of land uh, somewhere for your family. Or... You may just be a, a, a great, committed, faithful servant, and then for whatever reason, your life is cut short because God has chosen for your finish line uh, to be at that 
point. But what? think about that. I, I don't know, uh, you know uh, who else Stephan influenced in his life, but the fact that he influenced one so greatly in his death. I mean, if you could only be, have influenced one person in your life, what greater testimony than for it to be somebody like Paul? You know, we always want to have those, you know, big numbers, right? Uh, 50,000, 100,000 uh, saved in a, a, a one, one month, whatever the case is. Well, you know, they, then, then, they, then they hear that missionary get up. Well, you know, I, I was there for years, but for whatever reason, you know, <laughs> but then that's the one that, you know, all the others go about their life. And then this one goes on and does great things for God. You know, that's, that's why I hate it when, when, when I hear pastors talk about, oh, this missionary over here, that missionary. You have no idea what God is doing in that person's life. Amen. So, you know, uh, just just pray for him. I won't get off on that because it'd be easy to the way I feel about missionaries. But you see this. And then you see at the end of his life, he said, Lord, receive my spirit. And then he knelt down and what he say? Lay not this sin to their charge. Listen to his last words. Who does that remind you of? What Jesus say on the cross, Lord, amen. <laughs> he gave up the ghost and he said, Lord, forgive them what they do, amen. They know not what they do. And you see that Christ-like spirit in his death. What faithfulness, what commitment you see in these lives. And so we should be praying, God, may I be so committed in this day as they were in their day. And, and what, a, what a wonderful thing that is. Again, Stephen's believed to be the first martyr. And do you think he, do you think he expected to be stoned to death? Well, you saw how they treated him at the beginning. I don't think he cared. Do you think it would have made any difference? No, you can tell by the way uh, when they came up on him at, before he even started preaching the way they came up on him. He didn't care what was going to happen to him. He was just going to make sure he got the message that God had for him that day. He was committed. It would not have made a difference. And that's very clear uh, based upon as you read that whole story. So uh, as we think about these three stories, let me uh, give you some thoughts and some questions. What was the main cause of the Israelites' refusal to go into the promised land? Was it a failure of ability? Well, no, they could have done it. Was it a failure of courage? Well, yeah, obviously there was a lack of courage, lack of faith. I don't think it was a lack of uh, leadership. God had provided the leaders, but they wouldn't follow those uh, leaders. And, of course, Stephen faced opposition for his commitment to follow Christ. Have you ever been criticized for your testimony of Christ? Have you ever been opposed or persecuted for your faith? Anybody? Well, most of us. Huh? At work, family. <laughs> family. Well, I think of our own family that's said, said, uh, said, uh, 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 said things, you know. Which person or people do you most identify with in these passages? Anybody here identify with any of these? Well, yeah, I've made some bad leadership decisions like Naomi. I'm sure I've done that. Amen. And showed such faithfulness or commitment. How do you believe? Now here, let's bring it down to you. How do you believe you? How do you believe God is asking you to change or is he asking you to change to embody a greater level of commitment as a believer? And as you think about your level of commitment, what do you intend to do? How will you do it? And the main thing is, when will you, 
when will you, when will you start? When will you start? You know, uh, uh, don't be like brother, uh, brother Horn and I sort of have a running joke going. He's going to, he's going to be with us Sunday, but when he's in New York, I'd call him and, uh, he'd be busy. He'd say, brother, I'll call you back tomorrow. About two weeks later, three weeks later, he'd call me up and he'd say, is it tomorrow yet? So then I said, hey, brother, why don't you just tell me you're going to call me back today? Right? Why don't we kick it back a notch? And so then I'd, I'd call him up and say, oh, I'm busy. I'll call you back today. About two or three weeks later, he'd call me up and say, is it today yet? And then I, 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 he wouldn't call me back. So then I called him up and he said, well, I'll get back. I said, well, how about getting back with me yesterday? So we, we moved it up to yesterday. Say, how about just call me back yesterday, right? Well, the other day, you know, he came in Sunday night, and uh, he said, oh, your birthday's Tuesday. I'd like to take, you out to take you out to lunch. I said, well, let me know by Friday. <laughs> I said, let me know by Friday if you're going to take me out Tuesday. And what do you think happened? I got a text from him late last night. Oh, sorry, brother. <laughs> Something came out. I'm just picking on him because he, he, he's my friend. But, you know, uh, that's how we are to the Lord sometimes, right? Hey, hey, Lord, I want to do something for you. Uh, 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 get with me tomorrow. Uh, he comes back a few months later. Oh, is it tomorrow yet? Uh, how about we move it up to today? Okay. As a matter of fact, I even sent him a verse from a Hebrews that says, while it is yet today. I even sent him a verse to go with that. I said, there's a verse that talks about do it while it's today, right? And then uh, the Lord comes come back. Well, let's move it up today. And then, you know, are we that the... You know, we'll say, Lord, I, 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 I want to go with you. Lord, I'm, I'm going to commit to you. Uh, uh, Monday morning, I'm going to get up and uh, I'm going to commit to you. And he looks and says, well, okay, well, let me know by Friday if you're going to commit by Monday. You know, something to, something to think about there. What factors come into play for you personally when it comes to commitment? What factors do you feel prevent you, if any, from being fully committed to the Lord if, if that's the case? And where in your life is God asking you to step up? Is there an error of your life? Or have you even, again, asked him? We talked about this before. When was the last time you asked God to move you up to the next level? But in this case, we're talking about commitment. And what must you overcome? Is there something in your life maybe you need to overcome or God help you overcome to increase your commitment? Again, what action will you take? We see, hey, hey Ruth, she was willing to not just say it, she took action. Caleb and, and Joshua, they just didn't say it. They were willing to take action. And Stephen, we see for sure, he was willing to take action, and he didn't care what action came against him. He had made that commitment. So as we look at the qualities, we say qualities of a leader, but really the qualities of a believer. believer Lord, help us, amen, to always check our level of commitment and say, wholly committed. Lord, I'm so committed, there's no room for anything else to slip in. Let's pray.